Welcome to our podcast Living with the River. My name is Vedika and today we are in conversation with Sonal Jain, an art practitioner based out of Shillong. She is also one half of the Desire Machine Collective. A lot of Sonal's work is connected with studying and analyzing the river Brahmaputra and its connections with the land and the people surrounding it. In our conversation today we speak about a variety of topics through a discussion on her installations and her films. We talk about the spirit of collaboration, the meaning of identity and how they reflect in her projects and the sacred beliefs and connections surrounding the river. So to begin our conversation i would like to ask you about what role has the brahmaputra played in your life as an artist and as well as the life of design machine collective yeah so um yeah first thanks for having me and uh, you know it's great that you made the effort to come down and all of that and um the brahmaputra yeah is has been extremely significant because um I think you know it is such a beautiful and such a magnificent river that it uh, touches you every time you're near it and uh, having spent so many years in Guwahati I think uh, you know I quickly became really obsessed with the river and also because uh, you know I was living on IIT campus which is on the other side it was just like a constant uh, crossing of the river but also yeah the proximity to the river was always there so normally what people would do is they would take uh, a taxi or a bus or take mm-hmm. a, the car to come into town whereas uh, for me it just didn't make sense because you know you cross by the boat and you're mm-hmm. in the city you know in like 10 minutes because and you were in north guwahati yeah, i was in north guwahati right. and to come and you had these constant ferries mm-hmm. and the bhadpatis what are called the bhadpatis so you know i would always try and take the boat and it was always you know an amazing part of it was an amazing experience to yeah. be on the river so this was 10 years of your life yeah 10 years of my right. life i've spent in guwahati so yeah it's been a very very significant part of both my life and of design machine collectives so as an artist where do you see like does the river take you somewhere as an artist or does it hold any significance in the kind of work that you've done because there are two works that i'm very interested to speak to you about one is periphery which is a work that you did on a ferry on the Brahmaputra and in a lines which is your film about the river so um in designing these projects or in coming up with these projects um where did the river take you in that what were you what were the questions that you were trying to answer and i'm asking this also spiritually but also um like research wise were there some research gaps that you were looking to fill with these actually can you tell us a little bit about these projects first sure so yeah you know i think um, what happened is that my partner and i we came back to guwahati and we started you know living there and um, very soon it was clear that uh, two things were very clear that you know the river is right there hmm. and so in a certain way it has to be part of uh, our lives and any work that we do but also the fact that uh, you know it's a transnational river right and uh, you know it starts in tibet it flows you know into india and then it goes into bangladesh and then into the bay of bengal i think uh, so many of the things that we were interested in and talking about which are like borders boundaries identities yeah. 
you know people the flow of uh, information goods and all of that was uh, what the river was also talking about mm. you know it's so connected to the history of the place because and the british of course used it as uh, a major form of transportation so it was almost like a you know wain going into assam and right. taking out the oil taking out the tea yeah. so all of those connections were something that you couldn't miss it was a very obvious thing that you know the river had to become part of uh, anything that we do and then what we realized uh, very early on was that there were you know like of course a lot of these ferries which were owned by the government of assam yeah. they were lying redundant on the side of the river so these um, and some of them were really large as well and they were not being used as much so you know it uh, it kind of uh, of course in in the beginning it was like oh wow you know i wish we could have one of these and yeah. you know do a project on on one of these and use it as a space yeah. and uh, yeah as circumstances would ha- have it we were able to do that and uh, that's how you know the idea of periphery started and um, Yeah so from there we, we kind of created this uh, space of for what we call hybrid practices which was cross disciplinary because you know we were of course interested in so many other things but also the other thing that uh, one needs to remember is that it was a time when the insurgency counter insurgency was still you know at its fag end yes. in a lot of ways so there was hardly any space for dialogue so because of the lack of a space for dialogue there was a need to create this kind of a public space public forum yeah. so that's how periphery came about and uh, yeah you tell us just a little bit more about what you were seeking to do with periphery uh, mm-hmm. as in you got a ferry and that's where you held some performances in order to create dialogue am i right so i mean can yeah. you just contextualize this a little yeah bit? so when i say hybrid practices it was uh, you know like um, we were coming at it as artists but also you know it was very clear that it doesn't need to be just art mm. so it was film it was art it was performance it was theater mm. it was using that space as a living space as well and all of it so in a way it was again very very cross disciplinary yeah. and hybrid and that was the exciting part because initially when we started off of course you know we we were like uh, very city mm. dweller kind of people coming into the space so the people who were actually manning the ferries who were the government uh, employees mm. they were extremely you know like suspicious and uh, they didn't take us very well they mm. were like you know what are you doing here and uh, then what slowly we realized that it has to be a community space as well yeah. because it can't be just a group of you know city slickers going there and doing something so it became a space where uh, you know we would cook food with them and we would invite them the employees as well to be part of it and it was really interesting because once we had this folk singer from mm-hmm. lower assam doing a performance there and that broke the ice completely because all the people who were actually mm-hmm. you know employees <laughs> there they were great fans of this lady you know of her singing and they were like you know you guys have just made our day to actually have her you know perform in front of us has been uh, just amazing yeah. so those kind of things but also food i think was such an important part of it because you know at every event we would uh, cook together with them and we would invite them to be part of you know the meals and everything so yeah. slowly they warmed up to us and uh, yeah it did become a community space so even now if i go down to the river mm. there would be a couple of people who would you know know me and yeah. uh, say how are you and so it's a it it did become a very lively community space 
it's so interesting to imagine like all of the things that you said to use that space as performance and living space etc however with respect to collaboration so i read a few of your interviews and in them to peripheries described as a project where you collaborate with local communities so the way that i saw collaboration is uh, in a way wherein you there's like knowledge sharing and sort of working together in designing the project etc so uh, how exactly did this collaboration happen or was it only with the people who were manning the ferries or local communities or something like that yeah so uh, you know like once we were there mm. there were many people who came and kind of approached us also for uh, you know collaborations okay. so one of the things that did happen was music because a lot of the local musicians in guwahati were like you know we don't have enough space to just jam because it has to be a performance so yeah. can we use the space and that was again an amazing thing because they jammed there for many days and yeah. some of the jams would go on you know almost throughout the night yeah. and those you know those were some of the things and also i think what as an offshoot of uh, periphery there was um, you know an interesting project that took place which was by indrani barwa yeah. who's uh, based in the us but she came and did something at uh, the ferry with the local people working with bamboo so she you know created these installations on the ferry and you know all of that and that was also a very collaborative project and after that what she did is uh, you know uh, created a bamboo raft and that raft had these two journeys again right. so that was also an offshoot and then we have another uh, friend and collaborator paolo rosso who uh, is italian and he is essentially a curator so he came to meet us and you know the periphery project was very interesting to him and he's made a walkway in north guwahati okay. you know in a very interesting part hmm. which is again a bamboo walkway with the community there hmm. for the community hmm. so you know he was like this place is so interesting because it's also near the rock inscriptions and all that in north guwahati so it's just a walkway but what it does is essentially it creates this space for people to come and access the river because from that uh, area yeah from that area and, and it's for the people and he did yeah. it you know over i think 2 3 years hmm. and uh, so yeah these kind of things have come out of uh, periphery which i think is really interesting yeah. as well as artists i think it's a very tricky like it's not tricky i would not like to say tricky but as artists it's um it's such a reflective process in in moments in which you are sort of engaging with a community that you are aware you're not a part of so that's something i wanted to speak to you about through our conversation maybe through different questions but um just how do you approach a community what were the ethical considerations that you had when you are entering a community space and with respect to collaboration i think there might be a difference in between collaborating and having them participate like so for example if the design of the project and the the development of the project is decided by someone else and the local community is only executing it um i i'm not sure like can you call that collaboration or is it fair to call it collaboration in that situation etc so um that was something i think we should talk about at some point sure yeah, yeah. because no i completely uh, you know appreciate this question because uh, these are questions that keep coming up uh, time and again and uh, i think uh, personally i have been very um, you know 
conscious of this hmm. and also conscious of the fact that uh, a lot of times it is not an equal collaboration as well so even uh, you know with some of these uh, you know collaborations where the people are coming from abroad and all of that uh, in a lot of ways i made sure also that if you are collaborating with the uh, people who are working with bamboo and cane you have to also pay them you cannot just say that oh it's a collaborative project mm. therefore you know we will not pay you because it is not it is not an equal collaboration at all okay. in that sense but at the same time how do you start you know like how do you uh, even approach it if you if you kind of uh, stop yourself completely mm. you know from even engaging i think there has to be a first point of engagement and after that you know certain things emerge and the other thing that one needs to remember is that you know being in this kind of a very colonial post colonial kind of a, a space and uh, having also this very strong sense you know like when you are working on the ground it's always people always see you as uh, you know if you are coming in then you have the money so how do you kind of deal with that because it's also a very developmental kind of a mindset that mm. people have because we had this one uh, artist who was uh, putting these uh, taps on the river side and they were symbolic you know so he was putting these taps with faucets and all of that and like you know as uh, as symbolic references to many things but also that yeah you know this is what we need and a lot of people came and said oh this is great work so again the question as to whether he was interpreting it as a developmental project or as you know as uh, a developmental work which is going on mm-hmm. or an artist work so those kind of questions keep coming up and i think they are really important but one needs to also you know like make making make make a starting point at some point yeah. because i think that's that's imperative otherwise how do you even like yeah you know definitely. go into a space or how do you even like start a collaboration and i think what happens is that even if it's an initial collaboration is based on mm. uh, you know a financial transaction it's mm. okay for me because after that then you build a friendship and then over a long term mm. does that actual collaborative process start and that is what interests me too right. so um so with respect to a lot of these spaces i feel like uh we've seen this often especially with your work on inner lines that there are some areas of interaction between river and human beings that research cannot reach and that sometimes only art can reach so what i wanted to ask you was what were some of these gaps that you had seen like with respect to how maybe the environment is seen by people or how the how the central government sees a river Uh, how the central government sees people as like disposable or whatever and um so this was my question like what were the research gaps that you thought that your art could fill in those spaces which motivated you to enter these community spaces to speak with people to find grounds etc yeah i think uh, you know like when you're talking of research there's also a process of artistic research mm. which i think uh, is a huge part of my work and uh, what i find interesting about the artistic research process and maybe that's why i haven't really gone into academics full time because the artistic research process uh, allows for a lot of liberties it allows for a lot of cross section again like hybrid practices and cross disciplinary kind of an approach mm. so i think that's a huge plus Hmm. with the artistic research and also you know um yeah with inner lines um, what i'll give you an example of what happens is that you know when you're going in 
and you're talking to people you know a lot of things come out and then you're uh, so one of the main questions that i would be asking because for inner lines we kind of uh, you know went from guwahati all the way to upper assam till the end of you know like to the edge of arunachal yeah. where the river kind of enters assam on both sides on the north and the south bank and uh, one of the things that i would always ask the agricultural uh, communities there is that what are you growing and uh, what do you buy from the market hmm. and uh, you know to the second question they would normally say just salt and oil okay. everything else we are getting from the land hmm. and we are getting from forests so the foraging was also a huge part so i think that's a huge thing in itself you know and uh, that changes the understanding of how people are actually living mm. and i think uh, it's uh, it's huge in that sense that you know you you're able to get this understanding of the way that things are working mm. but i think the, the second part is also uh, yeah when you talk about the artistic process it's also about um, you know like the work that i've done is more or less um, very research based but the outcome is much more you know it's called poetic it's called observational film and all those kind of things and what happens with that is that uh, you know it kind of talks to you not at a intellectual level not at a you mm. know le- level of effect but affect okay. so that is what is really important so therefore also the need to make it into a film installation it's mm. more experiential it's more immersive so that the person watching it you know a response to it more from the affect right so um a theme that runs probably through periphery as well as inner lines is the human cost at least in inner lines definitely the human cost that is uh suffered as a result of appropriating natural resources or having little to no understanding of the the value that these natural resources hold for local communities or let's say even geologically the kind of impact that they can have so what are uh, what are some of the questions you had in this era ecologically speaking what are some of the questions that we miss as uh, by we i mean people who have who engage with uh, with rivers on a very commercial uh, plane that yeah. you know hydroelectricity great no carbon footprint like that whereas there's there's like a whole world behind the generation of hydroelectricity right mm-hmm. yeah so i think uh, there are many layers to your question and i think the first thing that one needs to understand is uh, you know like one of the key things that we refer to is also looking at uh, you know like the conversion of nature to natural resource mm. which is uh, you know something that akil bikrami talks about and many other you know like deep ecology is something that's talking about the same thing and now more and more what people are saying is that you know you need to understand the way that indigenous people you know regard nature they yeah. look at nature otherwise we are we've already crossed the tipping point you know we are in the in the sixth or uh, species extinction mm-hmm. and you know like all of these things are happening climate change is happening right now there was this big uh, you know glacier that fell and uh, you know like entire bridges and dams were swept away in uttarakhand just few days ago so you know i don't think we as humans are in a position right now to ignore any of this and one needs to very clearly see how indigenous people relate to nature mm-hmm. what is called nature to the non human world more than anything else and uh, that is i think what in alliance to a huge extent 
you know, was also trying to understand because just on paper, everything sounds perfect because you have these 168 dams and, you know, there's going to be power generation, but power generation for who? Exactly. You know, power generation for Noida and Gurgaon and, you know, the industries there. What about the people here? What is the impact that it's going to have on the people here? And they're clearly saying we don't want, you know, this, these dams. Mm. So what are their concerns? For uh, Adi tribe, mm. the river is, you know, part of the family. They yeah. inherit part of the river, mm. you know, as part of their inheritance. Wow. They own part of the river. And then that's passed down. Mm. So how do you, you know, talk to them? Because I think the language is very different. And, you know, the same thing we've encountered even in Aboriginal Australia. Mm. It's, it's a different set of words and language that you're talking. Because here we relate to, you know, even the Khasis and most indigenous people, they relate to land and rivers in a very, very, very different way. So it is, it's, it's the non-human world, but it's also part of a sacred world that I inhabit. You know, so the understanding of ecology is that, that it's all interconnected and the moment I mess up one thing, everything else is going to go out of balance, which is happening now. You know, there is, uh, of course, the famous butterfly effect, which talks about this, that if a butterfly flutters in one continent, the effects will, uh, you know, there may be a cyclone in some other continent and things like that. I mean, you've also covered the Lower Subansiri Heidel project, right? And with that project, not only there's, of course, the... Uh, local communities who have to be displaced, quote, rehabilitated, quote, unquote. Uh, but at the same time, there's also people who've done projects on this, uh, as in like research on what this dam is meant to, is going to do in the future to the river and the ecosystem. And none of the findings are favorable. So like when you say that, I'm just wondering if if scientific findings, are like if the people who are building this dam can turn a, a deaf ear to scientific findings. I'm, I'm just wondering how much effort would ever be put into understanding something like something so personal and spiritual and uh, of the local communities because that's always just brushed aside. In shooting your movie, did you also come across government officials or people who were implementing the project and what was their sort of perspective? Because they're also living in that area, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's always fascinating to me how, um, you know, people who are making those decisions are uh, kind of sold to the idea in in such a strong way that they, they you know, they kind of resist that conversation because we've shown this film uh, and at one of the screenings, in fact, in Shillong, mm. there was, um, you know, one of the people who was, um, uh, who had kind of passed this entire project was there and he... You know, of course, had all the other things to say. And I think, see, I think I would like to, again, zoom out and uh, talk about the discourse of development. Because now, you know, talking anti-development is, uh, you know, it's it's impossible because you are anti-national if you're talking anti-development, right? And that itself is such a big problem because what we don't uh, realize or, you know, maybe we do is that it, it is a col- colonial legacy, right? Yes. So it... Where does this mindset come from that, you know, there are the people who are talking about the river as their mother or their father are still the quote unquote tribal people who Mm. need to be tamed or civilized. And this is what needs to change because, you know, you need to understand that this is not the case. The value of river is not just money. Yeah. And capitalism is a failed system. 
which needs to be looked at and re-looked at because what is it doing? You know, like there was some study that I came across which said that, I don't know, some insane number of people are depressed, you know, in the first world. And like, how do you how do you reconcile these things? Mm. If it is causing obesity, it is ca- causing, you know, all kinds of, forget the coronavirus pandemic, if it's yeah. causing <laughs> pandemic of health mm. and if it's causing mental illness, then is this the right way to live? Yeah to not be able to see a holistic picture the f- i mean even as one may acknowledge the fact that electricity is required and that industries need to be run and economy needs to be go on but to not be able to take into consideration the needs and requirements of a people whose land and river you're taking away is it's such a it is a broken system that way like if you ca- if you if a human being is turned into a product human resource yeah without considering the fact that they do have a mind and a heart and a I don't know a society or the need for community that is a broken system definitely yeah no but also I would like you to you know uh, look at like when you're talking about the economy and you're talking about power generation and all of these things ultimately what is it uh, going towards it go- it's going towards supporting a lifestyle which itself is causing us to become sick right Mm. if you talk about even basic diseases like high bp and uh, diabetes Mm. and all these these are all lifestyle diseases and they have come about in the last you know 60 70 years because of the lifestyle that we are living Mm. and uh, how is that in the you know holistic way helping any of us Mm. is i think the questions that we need to ask ourselves My name is Vedika and you're listening to Living with the River. Today we are on this journey to understand the impact of art on the conversation surrounding the Brahmaputra with our guide Sonal Jain. So I want to uh, I want to take you back to your project Periphery because there's one question that I missed to ask you which is on identity and in a few of your interviews you've spoken about um, the fact that Now I'm quoting you here. Identity is in a flux and not a given. It needs to be revisited and renegotiated constantly, especially in the context of an inter-ethnic space. As well as um, in inner lines, identity, uh, sorry, not inner lines, uh, your project on the ferry. Yeah, Puri. Puri. The Puri project, yeah. So even there, storytelling is used as a method of finding belonging and identity. Uh, Can you speak to us a little bit about um, what this means? Sure, yeah, because um, I think uh, so much of uh, being in the Northeast is uh, tied to that, to the question of identity because in a way you're forced to kind of look at it and relook at it again and again, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. And so far as I'm concerned, I'm, uh, you know, an outsider in Meghalaya. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so my ancestors came from, uh, you know, UP at some point and uh, they settled here. So, you know, after the outsider movement started here, it just became part of the consciousness and you like, uh, you know, grapple with that, of course. So the insider-outsider debate and, uh, you know, now with the CAA, mm-hmm. the, you know, and of course, Meghalaya has already implemented the ILP, which is the inner line permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are questions that are, a constant but I think it's also a wider question because when I say identity is in flux I think the problem uh, that uh, you know the project of categorization puts onto you is it kind of fixes your identity you know whether it's gender or it's uh, it's uh, you know ethnic identity or any of those things and I think you know so you are a woman but you may be you know also somebody who is uh, you know like yeah the question of being queer or being an insider outsider at some point or you know like the idea of belonging and not belonging but also I think now I'm thinking about it more in terms of the non-human world as well you know like what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to again just be fixed to the idea that you know the only communication I can have is with humans because the Puri project is um the Puri myth is basically a myth in uh, Meghalaya which talks about uh, these creatures which are water beings. The water beings uh, are creatures who live in you know rivers and uh, streams and ponds and lakes and humans get enticed by them and they go and have these parallel lives with these creatures. So I think that's something and I've uh, actually met somebody who was uh, you know enticed by one of these puris and she did have all these experiences so you know like uh, how do you reconcile these things and more and more again uh, you know the the philosophies of new materialism which are talking about you know like how like the idea of materialism itself is something in the Western, uh, you know, philosophy, which is being re-looked at. Mm. So in that sense, I think these are really important questions. And um, yeah, having a fluid identity, I think, is one of the most freeing things. So the moment, you you know, you can get rid of these Mm. categorizations for yourself, Mm. not be limited to a certain category yourself, you know, it's it's very freeing. But of course, Mm. in, uh, you know, the socio-political context, you are looked at as a certain, uh, hmm. you know, with a certain identity. And uh, I think that's, that is a huge problem. You can, in never sh- you can never shake it off. You, you can and you cannot, because I think it's also the way you look at yourself. So the moment you, you yourself kind of are free of it, hmm. then it's, it's all good. So, however, but um, with respect to periphery specifically, when you talk about using a ferry and um, the, the, the mean the several layers and meanings that are attached to just being on a river body that flows through so many nations and so many communities and and doing your project on a ferry so what does identity and finding belongingness what does what sort of meaning does that hold in that specific context and where did you see like what sort of answers were you looking for when you were designing this specific context yeah so even in those terms, I think, uh, you know, uh, like one of the quotes, uh, I forgot, Heraclitus, I think, talked about this. He said this, that uh, you cannot step into the same river twice. You know, I think that is something that we uh, kind of went back to always because 
I think the river is the biggest metaphor of flux, you know, and movement and flow and all of these things. So I think in that sense, you know, the river was really important and being on the river was really important. Secondly, of course, the fact that it's a transnational space and, uh, you know, it constantly reminds you of the different uh, transactions that keep happening. And uh, even now it's really interesting because I was just uh, doing some research in Upper Assam and, uh, you know, after the bogey bill bridges come up, the boats have uh, reduced mm. the boats that carry things across. And I was asking some of, uh, you know, my local friends there and they said, yeah, the boats that are still there are all the boats that are doing things which are considered by the government as illegal so they're ferrying you know different goods which might be illegal otherwise so in that sense again you know the river and the riverside is always a liminal space mm. and even in terms of uh, you know country laws there are these things where if you're on water right. especially on sea mm. and uh, you you're not on actual you know mm national bound within national boundaries so in those terms again the river becomes uh, this liminal space where you can have that freedom to explore yourself the way you want so yeah i think all of these things make it a really interesting space even if you just spend some time on the river banks in guwahati you see how it's a completely liminal space and also i think what's really interesting about the brahmaputra is that you have these little islands which keep shifting and changing yeah. throughout the year and through the years yeah. so they're also very very liminal and you know i've spent a lot of time there so i've seen yeah. strange things happen you know like somebody come and bury something yeah. in one of these little islands you know and really like dig you know dig up and bury it so you're just wondering what is going on and of course it has to be something which is a bit you know out of the ordinary so yeah what do you mean it, it has to be illegal or something there's some illegal you know activity going on there so except the island's gonna like disappear in Dubai <laughs> yeah but like for that season he's hidden that or maybe somebody else comes uh. and so you can you know it's open to interpretation as well so huh. yes yeah, it's, it's it's a fascinating space in itself and of course there are the fishermen there and you know you have uh, these migratory fishermen who come and huh. do seasonal fishing there every year and they're just living on the river for six months they come from lower assam and they park themselves up there and they're doing the fishing and just living on the boats on the rivers for yeah. six months and then they go back so it's it's an amazing space and also of course uh, you know talking about identity i think uh, what was fascinating for me is to see how you know the local elite was completely alienated from the river yeah and i was like uh, how can this even be you know yeah. you have such a beautiful river here and then i slowly realized that oh, you know of course there is this huge fear of the river as well that people have that you know it's a very dangerous river you cannot swim in it and things like that mm. but also i think the river really oh, in in a lot of ways belongs to you know like the missings and the boroughs and mm. the people who actually live live by the riverside yeah. those are the people who kind of have this beautiful relation with the river i'll tell you one thing which was um, fascinating is that the the missing community they talked about how they still have this uh, practice where they go fishing mm. and the dolphins and they go together so they kind of use the river dolphins mm. as aids for the fishing process wow. because the dolphins want the fish and the people want the fish okay. so they help each other in the fishing process now it's a one year a yearly ritual but it still exists so yeah you know that's the kind of connection they have with the river which is just yeah i mean in city spaces and that that's something that was a conversation we had before starting this podcast 
also a very large reason for starting this podcast the shame of living next to a river and finding so much of our community tied to that river a lot of uh, this is a question of identity and of belongingness where when i think of brahmaputra i think of home or uh, uh, such a desire in everybody who lives in guwahati um in the city of guwahati to want to belong to the river to have the river belong to them without any efforts without ever attempting to develop a better vocabulary without ever attempting to interact with the communities learn anything and the manner in which we approach the river is like um you know some gentrified spaces like a park <laughs> that park is the most fascinating thing to happen to guwahati it's a park on the river brahmaputra you can see it you cannot touch it and it's it's just ugly like there's no need for it the river is right there exactly yeah and they've just like installed some concrete stuff in the middle for no reason yeah no and i think it's a problem also because uh, you know all these parks so what you know uh, i also saw happening uh, through the few years that i was there is that of course the parks came up and then the parks were unchargeable so you had to pay to get yeah. into them <laughs> and also the other thing that happened is the gentrification in terms of real estate because yes. all the properties that were by the side of the river were taken up so again the access to the river was uh, you know more and more limited yeah. which of course some of my friends who grew up next to the river lament a lot because they were like yeah we would just you know walk down to the river and um, it's not possible i mean yeah uh, it's very few areas very few which places. allows that yeah, yeah. and those places are really expensive for accessibility questions in your career till now you have worked with uh, the environment in different respects you worked with the forest you worked with the river etc and in doing projects such as inner lines and periphery which are so intrinsically linked with the community or with the problems of the community or trying to sort of uh, contextualize uh, um a perspective that maybe other sources of research would not have been able to do um one of the important one something important that you have also talked about and which i see as important is a generation of dialogue right from these projects however with respect to periphery periphery was a project that was an invite on invitees only uh, space right this is something that i read in your uh, interviews and uh, in your primer that um, it was an invitee only space not, not at all and i'll tell you why because uh, what happened with the uh, periphery was that it was uh, you know it was docked right on the river bank hmm. and it was an open ferry okay yeah so it was uh, quite the opposite of a white cube gallery or anything in hmm. fact um, you know one of the theater performances uh, that we had was with uh, rabijita gogoi she did something uh, she's a prominent theater person from guwahati and hmm. she did a theater piece on the ferry and uh, it was really interesting because there was a lot of uh, road work which was going on at that point and there were people living in tents on the road you know by the river at that point and all of them just walked in mm-hmm. they just walked in and they watched the so we had like i don't know hundreds of people that day mm-hmm. you know apart from the people who you know came and uh, right. were invited i thought there was a there was a capacity limitation for the reason that it was on a ferry which is why it was not at all because it's it was quite a large ferry okay so in those terms and it had these levels hmm. and you know things like that so it could house a lot of people and also what because it was docked right hmm. there so people could actually watch but that was one of the th- magics that happened because when we had these hundreds of uh, you know uh, construction workers just come and watch 
it was a really beautiful moment because you know it also made us realize that uh, like having a ferry which you know it's not intimidating as a space right. it's not you don't have to walk into a building or a white cube gallery or any of those things so people were hmm. you know freely walking in and out so yeah it was uh, totally not an okay. in by invite kind of a space so, that sounds great then that's great but even so when a project like periphery has happened in guwahati and inner lines was shot in assam inner lines is a movie that i was able to see because you had granted me access to the video it's uh, it was displayed in berlin in a museum i don't know how to pronounce non yeah it's non. the short form is non uh, yeah so uh, what i was wondering was how do you so once you've created this work and this is useful work this is great work but how, uh, what do you think about making it accessible to local artists to local researchers to government agencies in order to actually create the dialogue that you were looking to create because art is not for the sake of just you know the beauty of it right like the movie is great it's it's so involving it's so meditative but it's also a little more than that people who are capable of digging into the movie and getting uh, cues from it from what people are saying from what they see in the movie will be able to move the work forward and create the dialogue that you wanted to create so in that respect do you think there's something that is lacking in your methods or maybe something that could be changed yeah i think that's a really important question and i'll uh, you know um so what i think you know needs to be um, differentiated between is periphery and inner lines so periphery is essentially a project that is more experience based so that and that's a larger question which uh, you know anybody who's working with space and uh, experience always grapples with because it's in the moment you know so whatever happens on the ferry and you know the projects that you know even after that we've had projects where we kind of uh, you know assembly of desire was assembly of a group of people it took place in majuli so you know it's that moment it's that time that uh, you know you you are there hmm. and uh, there's no way to kind of replicate that and there's no need for it as well i think in a lot of ways you think there's no need for oh no so just yeah hmm. so it's you know so you can represent it in a book you can represent it in documentation and all of that but it's not the same obviously as being mm-hmm. on the ferry because again another example i'll give you there was a workshop that was going on in on periphery and luckily it was just the it was uh, you know it was a students workshop and a lot of people were there and uh, there was a storm and you know there was rain mm. and there was storm and so you, we had to kind of stop everything and then everybody was actually just keeping the boat you know docked mm. so everyone uh, grabbed the rope and that became part of the whole experience and mm. you know there's no way that you can replicate those kind of experiences and uh yeah so at the same time it's also you know we did have a website which uh, you know right now is down but uh, so it can be represented but it cannot be replicated but the reason why i asked this to you is specifically because i i noticed that there was a there was an express desire to create public dialogue right like you have mentioned that you wanted to create um reclaim public dialogue in with respect to energy food and living so when you say public dialogue then it can't uh be an experience and let go at that moment right it has to be carried forward because you have created some value in that experience which can be sort of taken forward also the reason why i ask you this is because i met a lot of artists in guwahati 
a lot of whom did not know about periphery they did not know what happened there and i was just wondering why because it happened in one of the most like it's a busy area uh it's a busy space people are frequenting it very often so it and maybe i'm looking at it very pedantically i will grant myself that but it just seems like what do you make out of it you've put in so much effort and like you've made great work and you've had great experiences but now what like is this gone yeah, sure it's in the air no so exactly that's what i was saying so representation of a certain thing is definitely possible hmm. so like even with the simile of desire we have come up with a book which talks about you know what the experience was and yeah i guess even with the you know periphery uh, so again there are two things so the the dialogue that i'm talking about did happen you know at that point right. you know so it uh, you know i don't want to like um, claim a lot but it did create that environment because again if you look at it this was something that happened uh, you know it ended you know many years ago already and after that that change that shift happened where people started coming back to guwahati and thinking that you know they can create an art space they can create a cultural space and now it's almost like a very vibrant space right there are a lot of things happening mm. so what uh, you know like uh, even your partner radhika i'm sure must have heard about it and you know like mm. so there are these people who were associated uh, loosely and they did come to know about it and also i think at that moment when it was happening what was great was that guwahati actually became uh you know it came on the cultural map of the world right. you know which was a huge thing uh for us as people who were from the northeast and saw that nothing you know f- at that time we mm. felt that nothing is possible you know here mm. and we were like okay let's do this and then everybody whoever you know uh so it was very interesting because even at that time we were working and we were doing these shows and all of that and we would always uh, people would be like you know can you come to delhi and we were like no <laughs> we can't <laughs> why don't you come to guwahati and that started happening and people were coming to periphery they were coming to meet us as design machine and you know so guwahati became part it came on the world map of uh, yeah. art and culture which i think was uh, no It's small kind of dialogue really yeah it was right. no no small feat yeah. because even uh, that time when i remember when we started periphery there were artists from guwahati who warned people in delhi against you know doing something in guwahati that it's still too dangerous and you cannot do it and you cannot go there okay. so that was the environment i'm talking about right so it is part of a larger dialogue in that sense but i totally you know this is because of the insurgency is it yeah. dangerous okay. absolutely and there were you know even uh, i don't know what it's like now but even then there were all the foreign uh, you know like uh, artists friends that we met they would be like yeah but even uh, lonely planet warns against going to the northeast yeah so that was the kind of you know environment that was there and i think that is a part of the larger dialogue and um, yeah so after that all these spaces that have hmm. you know come up i think or uh, somewhere have known about periphery yeah. and that you know this kind of a space can happen and things like that which i think is great yeah you know in, in all of those respects but i understand you know where you're coming mm. from and uh, definitely i think there Maybe is still a need to applies more to inner lines then no even for periphery i think mm. there is still a need to kind of uh, you know have uh, a web presence and put the projects there because i think our website is also down so i think mm. that's something that needs to be remedied but it's not like the question is not about just having a website or having work put out right like um and this is this is a question i ask as someone who's outside the art space and i'm just sort of trying to understand that when you're doing work and ever so often very important work then um 
what are the what are the extra things you need to do you know like you've made a movie and it is on a digital platform you can mm-hmm. go home and like make it public now but that is not that's not enough right like what as as artists like when you've created this important work there's i'm guessing more steps that you take you reach out to people give it to the researchers and i, I mean i'm sure there are other sure. things sure yeah so i'll uh, you know again i'll um, like um what or other artists in 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 guwahati because now there's so, so see many. you're talking about the sustainability of a project and ideally what should have happened is that periphery should have not ended even you know and in a lot of ways uh, what what has happened is that it is something that mm. so it's it is a concept and it can be taken and replicated in different you know places and spheres so mm. that is what you know we kind of thought about but the sustainability question is also related to funding right you know and uh, and creating a second uh, tier of people who can take it up and things mm. like that and that is a full you know process in itself and one thing that we were worried about is also institution building we did not want to become an institution we wanted to be small so that then it's flexible the moment you get too institutionalized mm. then you know it becomes too fixed and then you're not able to do things right. so i think those are things that again being in the northeast um, we did have a huge problem with funding so mm. we had a ford grant which was uh, you know we got half of it and it was cancelled and you know okay. those kind of things so that was for an extension of the periphery project which was called narratives of brahmaputra so you know like all those things are uh, you know problems that you kind of come across when you're creating these kind of things and i totally you know agree with you about the sustainability question that how do you actually sustain something like this because uh, it needs to kind of create you know so in order to not be not institutionalize yourself as artist i can see where you're coming from there so you sort of make the noise and leave is is i mean it's not really cool. i think there was uh, there was also a lot of uh, you know lot of good things that came out of it right. and uh, of course it it also depends on a certain time so i think you know if it were to be done today probably mm. there were there would be enough people to kind of take it forward right. in that sense so i think exactly. it's also a moment in time how do you kind of create a certain thing mm. and then and also i think the other thing that you need to remember is that a lot of uh, you know even these smaller institutionalized spaces are uh, run by people like a they're very personality driven so a lot of times it doesn't even work if you yeah. have a second tier which doesn't understand the way that you know it needs hmm. to be taken forward and, uh, and yeah. theoretically the flow of things is much more easy than in reality yes, and i i think uh, yeah it is something we grappled with but also the temporariness of it is fine because uh, yeah everything is temporary and it is in a flow and flux so it's fine to have certain like to have a certain life and then you know other things come out of it which is great okay no that sounds but uh, but also with inner lines i think it's a very different question because it's a film it's a film installation and uh, you know there are plans uh, which got kind of derailed because of the pandemic and other things is also to take it to different places where it was shot and to share it with the people that you know were involved with it there were a lot of activist groups and other people who uh, yeah. were involved in the making of it and also uh, yeah there are um, again other platforms where the activists are working with you know the same question so it has been screened in those plat- you know platforms as well and there was a screening in guwahati as well i mean at the minimum i feel like just having a movie about your experiences is a show of solidarity like at the minimum i feel like it can do a lot more but just to have it out there 
Do you have any other projects that you're doing with the Brahmaputra in the near future? Yeah, so I think uh, the work with the Brahmaputra is ongoing in a lot of ways. And uh, more than that, I think uh, what I'm doing currently is a project because I've been in Shillong for the last you know couple of years. I am looking at, again, the relation of people, indigenous people with water. So the Puri project, which is, uh, you know, something I spoke about earlier about um, water beings Mm. and how people view these water beings and how these water beings view people Mm. through stories and myths. But I think that's really important as well in terms of looking at the larger question of ecology and, uh, you know, environment, because it breaks these boundaries between human and non-human as well. Hmm. Because here is a water being which kind of uh, consummates its relationship with humans. Hmm. And there is an interaction, there is a conversation which is going on. And um, I think those are the things that um, also talk about our relation with the natural world, with the non-human world. And how close that relation actually is, Hmm. is something that, you know, becomes clear through these uh, kind Hmm. of interactions. So yeah, I think uh, you know that's the and that's more the line. Are these fairies? They yeah, fairies. they're water beings, but mm. uh, in popular culture, yeah, they call like water fairies. There are women also who get enticed by them and uh, mm. enchanted by them and things like that. So yeah. So so they describe their experiences like having a spiritual sort of like connection with someone on the river. They just start living on the river. Yeah, so what happens essentially is that, uh, uh, you know, like uh, one of the experiences that people share is that once they are near the water, near a water body, normally a river or a stream or a waterfall, and they're going there quite often, they, they see this water being and they're completely enchanted by the water being and the water beings also like humans. So they want to, you know, have them as a spouse. So this is like, this is not real. I mean, this is not a thing. It's it a is a thing. <laughs> it there are people who've had like there are a lot of people who've had their, these experiences. It's like ghosts. Oh, yeah, in a sense. But again, that's the whole question that you know one needs to uh, relook at yeah. because there is this entire world which is not human, and only because we can't see it uh. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. What is real? <laughs> yeah, okay. I think yeah, the question of reality is something that is you know open for discussion always so Mm. for sure okay i think we're going to close with this thank you so much for having me in your lovely house in shillong and for answering all of my questions